Well, we're coming um, to the end of our, our study in the book of James. Next week, Marcus will be finishing. It'll be the last one. Um, so we're, we're, we're coming close to the end. We're in chapter 5 today. And the thing about James is that James, he, he's really straight to the point. He doesn't want followers of Jesus just to have a profession of faith. He wants them to have a possession of faith. He wants it to be working in their lives. In fact, I think there's a commentary on uh, James. It's called Faith That Works. And so this is, James is really concerned that it's not just in your head, it's in your life. He wants to help us to tap into heaven's resources for the stuff of life. That's, that's, that's what he wants to do. And uh, uh, we're, this morning, our subject is one that you can't just toss over your shoulder and think, oh no, I, this subject doesn't touch me. You know, it's, I'm, now I know you never, you never do that, but you know, you might be tempted sometime when someone starts preaching and you, the theme comes, no, no, not for me, over your shoulder for the person behind you, okay? This is one I don't think any single one of us can turn away from. We're talking about patience this morning, okay? Patience. So here we go. We're in chapter 5 of James, and I'm going to, basically, I've been working on this with Dan. Dan Gender's here um, through the week. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the problem, and then he's going to give you the answer. Okay. So James chapter 5, starting at verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. He patiently waits for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Okay, patience. Do I need to explain? Do I need to explain? I mean, even me, I could, I could say nothing for 10 seconds. You'd say, get on with it. Well, come on, get moving. Come on, come on, move, 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 move. You know, it, it is, this is a huge deal for our culture, isn't it? I mean, the, the soft end. Click, it's there tomorrow. And if it's not, why? I clicked, it was going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to wait to go shopping next week. Click, and it's here. Your computer is, I don't know, 10 times faster than it was five years ago. If it takes more than 10 seconds to get going, you wonder what's going on. You look as though you're all per None of you do this, do you? You're, you've all got it sorted. I mean, do you remember dial-in modems? Does anyone remember dial-in modem? They go and have a cup of tea while it's doing the thing. And now, if it's not there in five seconds, 
you're getting cross. Okay, you're getting impatient. Now, you know it's true. I mean, you know, and you're shopping. Oh, come on. You, you've got, you're going to the checkout, and you're checking the lines, and, and oh, I think that one's going to be a little bit faster than that one. Right, I'm going to go to that one. But that's not the end of it, is it? Because you keep looking to see which one is the fastest, and if you, the other one is faster, you're going to get a bit of, oh, bro, I got in the wrong... Come on, anyone ever done that? And um, then there's the road thing, you know. I mean, in a line of traffic and you're not going anywhere and someone wants to pull out on the left and what do you do? Oh, I can't see that car over there trying to come. <laughs> it's the soft end, but what if it's the harder end? What if it's to do with your, how your job's going? What if it's about how your life is going and things are not quite working out as quickly or as well as you wanted your life to be progressing and you're becoming impatient becoming you just become frustrated because it's taking longer than it should for in, in your mind to, to for your life to be progressing the way that you think should be for you we're in, it's the culture of now isn't it i mean when did we when did the phrase 24 7 start to be used huh? it, it's kind of fairly recent isn't it certainly in my life 24 7 it's this sort of urgently, we, 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 we get frustrated. And of course, on the harder end of, 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 of lack of patience, it affects our blood pressure. And we can become stressed and, and it can affect our mental health. And we, we know it's true. We live in a culture where people are perhaps too busy to stop and say hello. It's a really helpful word there that Roger brought. We're, 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 just, we're an impatient culture. That's the way it is, the culture of now. And James is saying, it should not be so for us. There's heaven's resources to help us. So there's that first thing about just patience with the, the stuff of life, just doing life, finding patience so you don't get to the end of the day, stressed out of your head, all uptight, furrowed brow, blood pressure up, because that might lead on to the next point. The secondly, this impatience touches our relationships. Look here at verse 9. This is astonishing, actually. He links grumbling and patience to Jesus coming. It's quite staggering, really, when you think about it. But look, don't grumble against one another. Okay, let's have a little check on this one. Um, uh, I, I could probably ask, well, I will, okay. I wonder how many of you on the way here this morning, there was a crossed word in the car or on the bus. Oh, the silence. No, there weren't any. Well, that's lovely. Has anyone been grumpy this week? You've lost your call with someone, with a, a, maybe a cutting word. And the relationship's just been spoiled a bit. Ah, and James is concerned about this. Heaven's resources are here for us. We don't want this. Marriages in our culture are under huge pressure. Why? Because of impatience. We get impatient with the other person, we, and, 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 and we begin to give up on them. And there may even, there's probably some here today. So marriage is under real pressure. Maybe no one else knows. But behind the scenes, 
There's just cutting remarks, cutting words, no apologies going on. An atmosphere of grumpiness and intolerance, lack of patience. And James is saying, don't be grumpy. This is not, it's, it's, it's in the culture. People give up in the culture, they give up and walk away. They'll say, life's too short for a bad relationship, a bad marriage, so they move on. Oh, no, life isn't too short. No, 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 not for the believer it's not, as we'll see in a moment. Do you, get, do you see what, what he's saying here? That might be going on in the culture. Don't let it be going on in the household of God. James is saying, don't just have a profession of faith, have a possession of faith. The resources of heaven helping you in the face of these kind of challenges. So that's the second challenge. It touches our relationships. But the third, there's another area James touches on here. And that's the real big challenge, the face of suffering when life hurts. Patience when it hurts. There's this word here, persevere, which is not a word we have not preached on for a while. And the, the word here is yeah, hupermeno, okay? Hooper, meno means remain, meno, remain in Christ, in the vine. Very common word in, in the book of John. John loves it, meno, remain, be there, you know, uh, connect, hooper. So it's kind of superstanding, enduring. And this is about standing one's ground, not becoming impatient, giving up, despairing in painful circumstances, suffering, maybe in the face of a, a horrible diagnosis, an illness, a loss, a grievance, something that's really, really painful for you. How do you do that? How do you keep standing? How do you keep your confidence in the Lord, your joy in the Lord, your patience in the Lord in the face of those things? James wants to give us heaven's resources in, for, the, for patience in the stuff of life, grace and patience in our relationships and patience in the face of suffering and pain and hardship. In just five verses, he's covering all that ground. And Dan's going to come and give you all the answers. But while he's coming up, we're just going to... I'm going to give you the first step in the answer, really. So perhaps a couple of musicians could come up. Well, we could go without any. Should we go a cappella? Mm. We'll go a cappella. Mm. La, la, la. Got the note? La. Got it? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's sing that one more time. You ready? Here we go. Turn your eyes
I'm not going to sing into the microphone. Um, <laughs> thanks, Goff. Um, okay, so we've, as Goff said, we've seen that there's a, a problem um, and the, the difficulties of life in relationships, daily life, and, and suffering. And James does give us heaven's resources to help us um, with these things, to, to stay cheerful through any trial and to be patient um, and persevere. So I'm just going to highlight three of the reminders that James gives us. First of all, patience grows from having an eternal perspective. Patience also grows from recognizing that God knows what he is doing. And patience grows from knowing that we're not on our own. So firstly, patience grows from having an eternal perspective. James writes in verse 8, You too, just like the farmer, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Our patience can come from knowing that Jesus is coming back again. He is going to return. And it's going to be wonderful. It's a comfort to us to know that Jesus is coming back. We can have joyful expectation that he's coming back again. And there will be an end to all opposition. There will be an end to all suffering when he returns. He will catch us up in the air to meet him and we will be like him and we will see him as he is. And James genuinely believed that Jesus was going to come back in his lifetime. He, it's mentioned a number of times in his letter. It's mentioned throughout the New Testament. It was at the forefront of their minds that Jesus was going to come back again. And it's easy perhaps for us to say in hindsight, well, did they get that wrong? Jesus hasn't come back yet. But Actually, in many ways, they were right, because Jesus taught that we should be expectant that Jesus, that he was going to come back again. He, he taught that when he came back, it was going to be like a thief in the night, when we, when we don't expect it. And he, he told stories and, and parables about having oil in our lamps and being ready and being prepared for his return. And if we are prepared and ready for his return, that can, then can help us in our, in our patience. I don't know if it's just me. I find it really difficult to keep these things at the forefront of my mind sometimes. There's so many distractions in the, the world around us. There's things that culture's throwing at me all the time, bombarding me with, that take my attention. I start worrying about things that I don't need to worry about, worrying about what other people might think of me, worrying about um, my, my career, worrying about... Um, comparing myself to others. I need to remind myself that it's his opinion that matters most, and one day he's going to come back, and I'm going to meet him, and I'm going to see him as he is. Um, it, the coming of Jesus reminds us to make him our priority. I, was, I think Vlada, when he was here a few weeks ago, he spoke about making Jesus our priority, having those two sheets of paper, and there's the one list one piece of paper that's got one thing on the list, and that thing is Jesus, and everything else is on a different piece of paper. God wants to anchor our hearts in the age to come. In Ephesians 2, verse 6 to 7, it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of God's 
grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians here, it's answering the question, why did God lavish such grace on us? Why did God save us? It's so that we might be able to marvel for all eternity at the richness of his grace towards us. It talks here about ages, plural. Sometimes I can think, and when I chat to my kids about it, we might say, well, isn't it going to be a bit boring? We're going to be in heaven forever. Aren't we going to get a bit fed up after a while? No, is the answer. It's not going to get boring. It's not going to be dull because there's ages, plural. We're going to continue to enjoy him forever, and that growth is going to continue to increase. When I didn't really, one thing that really helped me to understand this was a book I read a couple of years ago called One Thing by Sam Storms. And in that book, he's got a chapter which talks about joy's eternal increase. And that idea that in heaven, our joy of him, our understanding of his grace is going to go on forever. We're never going to plumb the depths of it. Heaven is going to be exciting, and it's going to be wonderful, and it's something to long for. There's a quote I want to read to you from that book. He writes, Like waves incessantly crashing on the shore, one upon another, so the ages of eternity future will in endless succession echo the celebration of sinners saved by grace, all to the glory of God. There will not be in heaven a one-time momentary display of God's goodness, but an everlasting, ever-increasing infusion and impartation of divine kindness that intensifies with every passing moment. So when we're in heaven, we're just going to be enjoying his grace, which is ever-increasing. As I said, we're never going to plumb the depths of it. This should give us excitement. It should give us joy. It gives us hope when things are difficult, when we're struggling with patience in our daily life, in our relationships, when we're going through suffering. This is something that we can cling onto, that we are living for eternal things. Patience also goes for, grows from trusting God, that he knows what he is doing. In James's letter, we see agricultural imagery where he's talking about the, the farmer waiting for the natural processes to take place, for the, for the rain to come. He's got to trust that it will come. He can't force it. He can't hasten it. He can't make the rain come any quicker to bring his seed through to fruit. He has to sit back and let those natural processes take place. He has to wait for the land to yield its valuable crop. That's something I need to remind myself of a lot because I try to take over and make things happen that, and bring things forward. I, I'm, if you ask my wife, she will tell you, to be honest, I'm a little bit of a control freak. I, I like to manage everything and make sure that things go exactly as they should do and try and take control and micromanage. And I remember when my children were young, when we were trying to get them to nap in the car, I would be there driving the car thinking, have they gone to sleep yet? Well, we need to stop talking. Everyone be quiet. They need to go to sleep. Drive a little bit slower because if they don't go to sleep and nap in the car now, then their bedtime's going to be ruined and everything's going to be a disaster. And it's, um, I'm not going to get my nice relaxing evening. But um, actually, we, I, I've realized, thankfully, by the time my third child's come along that I can't control this. And um, he'll be, he's grateful and my other children are grateful for that too. Um, there's, there's a phrase that's used a lot in, in sports, um, trust the process. 
Um, football teams use it when they're starting maybe with a new manager and they've got a, a new style of play. And we say, we're going to try and, and do this a slightly different way. We're going to try a different approach. We're going to try a different tactic. And it's kind of a, a warning to their fans not to expect immediate results. We might try something new and try things a different way, but fans, please be patient. Trust the process. We'll get there eventually. Don't sack the manager straight away. The results will come. Unfortunately, not for Norwich, but for other teams, it does... It has worked, um, um, much to my disappointment. But if we do trust this idea that if you can trust the process, if you can keep going, then things hopefully will work out all right in the end. But actually, that's kind of a worldly way of thinking about things. It's like this idea that if I just keep believing in myself, if I, if I keep doing it, if I keep going, if I keep sticking to my plan, hopefully, eventually, the things will come through, and everything will be okay, and I'll come out of this season of, of difficulty. And as I said, it doesn't work for every football team. And with God, we don't have to just trust in a process. We don't just have to um, hope that everything will work out all okay in the end. We can trust in his purposes. I've got um, some personal testimony around this. When um, a couple of years ago, I went for a promotion at work. It was quite a significant promotion, a deputy head role at the school that I was working in. And I knew if I'd been working at that school for, for 10 years, and it was a big deal. I was really putting myself on the line and making myself vulnerable. And I knew that if I didn't get it, I would be really disappointed, and it would hurt. And I didn't get it, and it did hurt. And at the time, I just refused to believe that it had anything to do with God's purposes in my life. I just thought it was on me. It was because I didn't say that thing that I should have said. I replayed the interview in my head and thought, if I'd gone back, if I could have answered that question in, in that way, then maybe I would have got the job. It was nothing to do with God and his plans and his purposes. I was just blaming myself. I couldn't believe that it was anything to, to do with his plan for my life. And it's only now, through the benefit of hindsight, two years later, that I can see that through that, God was working for my good. And God took me on a journey, and he took me through the trial and through the difficulties so that I would grow in him. And now I can look back and say, yeah, God's purposes were in that. And God was coming through for my good. Our patience comes from relinquishing control to him and trusting in his purposes. It's not fatalism. It's not just saying, oh, what will be will be, but it's putting our trust and our hope in him. Jesus said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And that's what we need to do. We need to let go of these things so that we can find true life and true meaning in God. James mentions Job in his letter. And when we look to the story of Job, we can say, see that he went through so much suffering and pain and difficulties. And Job lamented. He called out to God and said, why? I don't understand. It's, it's okay to lament. It's okay to, to not understand. God's got a whole chapter on it in his book. I recommend reading it. It didn't make sense to Job. And 
he didn't have all the answers. When we look at Job, we can think, right, this is great. We're going to find the reason for suffering. There's not an answer. There's not an explanation. We don't always have all the answers, but God asks us to trust in his wisdom and character, and that's what Job was able to do. So that at the end of the book, Job was able to say to God, I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours will be thwarted. We can cling to the testimony of those that have suffered before us, and their testimony is that the Lord is full of compassion, wisdom, and mercy. And when we trust God and we put our faith in his sovereignty and his purposes for our lives, that will allow us to be patient when things are hard, in the daily life, in our relationships. Finally, patience grows from knowing we're not on our own. We see stories in in Scripture of others that have gone through trials, that have come out the other side and can testify to God's goodness. After all of Job's difficulties and trials, he, he comes back at the end to wonder at God and who he is and to worship. And that can be an encouragement to us. It's not about private faith of individuals. We're, we're not individual Christians. We're part of a team. We're fa- part of a family. We're part of a community together. And a big theme of James is that we are a family. And this is something that we do really well as a church. People comment on it that we've got a, a great sense of church family. Are, are you tapping into it? Are you hearing from others and the trials that they've been through because that can really bring you hope and patience when, when things are difficult. I mentioned when I was going through a difficult season before, and if it hadn't been for people checking in with me and asking me if, if I was okay, it would have been a whole lot harder. But I had people who would pray for me after church, who would say, how's it going? How's your week been? People that I could ring up and know were just a phone call away. And through that community, through meeting together, that can help us through the trials. When we share our struggles, when we share our difficulties, we've got life groups, running partners, lots of ways that we can be connected and stay together and and grow together. But also, there's another way that we can know that we're not alone. The people around Job were actually not all that helpful to him. The people around Job... um, didn't give him the best advice. But Job found um, he was able to respond with awe and wonder when he went to God. And we have Jesus with us. We can know him closely. He cares about every single detail of our lives. He went through trials. He went through difficulties, and he overcame them. And he's the one that we can look to who suffered for us. When we fix our eyes on him, and think on him, we can find peace through the trials of life. It says in Hebrews 12, 2 to 3, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We can talk to him. We have someone with us who cares. We can give our fears and our worries to him. We can turn our eyes and look on him, and that will help us 
to stay patient, to persevere when things are hard. James reminds us towards the end of this section that we've read that the God we come to is a father of mercies. He knows your situation. He knows the struggles and the trials that you're going through, and he has mercy for it. James is revisiting themes here that he mentioned in his earlier chapters. I just want to close with a verse from James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm going to hand back over to Goff now, and he's going to help us to respond to that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Really, really, really helpful. And I, if the musicians would come up, please. I, I, I just feel there must be quite a number here. This, this area of patience, maybe it's, maybe it's in the context of suffering. You, you, just, you really are struggling. Maybe it's relationships. There's broken relationship. You need God's grace and kindness to help you in a relationship. Maybe it's just the stress of things that aren't working out the way you wanted them to in your, in your life. And we, we're going to worship now, and we're going to, let's make this a time of response. Please, don't let this, don't, don't just listen and go away. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to come and work in your life, to come and work in your situation, to come and touch your life. So let's, we're going we're gonna to sing that refrain again, turn your eyes. Is that okay? Should we start? You know, it's not. Is it Okay. <laughs> Let's turn you. And that was it. I just feel I want, there's a prayerful response to be made, okay? Um, so let's just, we'll sing that refrain, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I want to make, give an invitation. If you need a touch from God, if, you're, if, you, if there's a relationship that needs a touch from God, a situation of suffering, whatever it is, you just need to know something of heaven's resources this morning. As we sing this refrain, I just want to invite you to stand, and I want to pray for you. Let's not miss the moment. Heaven's resources are here for you this morning. Okay, so have you got a note for me, or do you want me to find one? Mm. There it is. Oh, okay. Turn your eyes Just take a to your feet if you want to be prayed for. Falling is wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. One more time. Turn your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Okay, Lord, we're, we're looking in the right direction now. We're looking to you. Lord, I want to pray for those who, for whom there's things, that, situations that are just not working out. They're not, they're not 
working out the way that they would like them to be working out. There's a frustration. And Lord, we pray, come Holy Spirit, grace and patience in a moment of pressure. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for relationships where, Lord, there's there's a, a fracture. It's not what it used to be. A relationship is broken. Come Holy Spirit right now into hearts and lives where there's a broken relationship maybe a, a marriage or a, a dear friend or it's been broken lost patience sharp words come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit those who are in the middle of a painful moment of suffering oh God it's painful I, Lord I pray for grace and patience grace and patience in the light of your kindness, your sovereignty, your unfailing love. Come Holy Spirit, I pray this morning. We want to draw on heaven's resources in the stuff of life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's let's all stand. We're going to sing another song as we close in a moment. Let's all stand. I just want to say at the end of the meeting, if you would like prayer, the prayer room's open. I will be there. Invite a couple of uh, life group leaders. Come and help me. We'd love to pray for you. Please don't go away with a troubled heart. Come and be prayed for. We'd love to pray for you this morning here in the prayer room at the end of the meeting. Meanwhile, let's worship one more time. Thank you so much, Dan, for helping me this morning. And we're going to come now to worship as we seal what God has been doing throughout this morning.